KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, October 22nd, missing the climate goal mark. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. For two months, the median price of a home in San Diego has trended downwards. That trend has come to an end. The latest data from CoreLogic shows the median home price rose to $740,000 after falling in July and August. USD economics professor Alan Jin says the reason is simple supply and demand. There's been more supply of houses on the market. More houses were made available, and so when the supply increases, then that that puts a little bit downward pressure then uh, in terms of prices. Jin says he expects prices will continue to rise for the foreseeable future. He says that could be a problem for the local economy if companies aren't able to pay the kind of salaries that high-quality workers would need to be able to afford to live here. The Newsom administration took a step on Thursday towards banning new oil and gas wells near homes, schools, and healthcare facilities. The State Department of Conservation is proposing a regulation that would prohibit the digging of new wells within 3,200 feet of those so-called exclusion areas. Here's Governor Newsom. If you want to understand the magnitude of this, this rulemaking impacts roughly 30% of oil operations in the state of California. Environmental advocates applauded the announcement, but said more needs to be done and soon. On Thursday at around 10 a.m., we had the annual Great Shakeout Earthquake Drill. Since 2008, the Shakeout has reminded us how to react to an earthquake. People can download the free MyShake app to receive warnings on their cell phones as soon as seismic waves are detected in their area. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. San Diego is going to fall short of its ambitious climate goals. That's according to a report released on Thursday. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says success hinges on getting people out of cars. The county's planning agency, SANDAG, is months away from adopting a new regional transportation plan that aims to invest heavily in a network of new and improved bus and rail lines. But that plan will only get San Diego about halfway to its goal of slashing automobile commute trips in half by 2035. That's the conclusion of Thursday's report from the nonprofit Climate Action Campaign. Noah Harris is the group's transportation policy advocate. Unless the city and SANDAG work together to expand upon the proposed network and the regional plan, we're not going to achieve our climate goals for the transportation sector. Cars and trucks are San Diego's largest source of greenhouse gas emissions. Replacing car trips with biking, walking, and public transit is central to the city's climate action plan. Harris says city leaders will have to double down on strategies to re-engineer San Diego's suburban-style, car-dependent neighborhoods to be denser and more walkable. 
We really want this report to serve as a reality check for local elected officials that Sandag is taking a great first step towards a more sustainable, a more equitable transportation future, but there's more work that needs to be done. The report was based on modeling from Sandag. The agency's board of directors is expected to adopt its new regional transportation plan in December. And that was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. A new report by the Bulasan Center for Filipino Studies says the mental health of Filipino Americans has suffered during the pandemic. And Filipino Americans make up a large number of the state's nurses and frontline workers. KPBS's Kitty Alvarado has more. Edna Val from San Diego has been a nurse for 13 years, six in the ICU. He's a proud Filipino-American who comes from a long line of healthcare workers. Helping and healing the sick was something that I've always wanted to do. It was something that my mom did, my mother-in-law did. It's, it's kind of like ingrained in my genes. But during the pandemic, his passion to serve others meant being exposed and possibly exposing his family to a virus that could kill. We were scared. I was scared. I literally... Um, told my family, you know what, I might not be able to uh, come back healthy or, you know, we, and we did what a lot of people were doing, you know, we were sleeping in separate rooms. I slept in the garage for a month, not knowing what would happen. Uh, my kids were like, just, you know, they were, they were afraid that dad might not come back or dad might die. A study done by the Bulasan Center for Filipino Studies finds those feelings are not uncommon and have led to anxiety and depression for one in four Filipino Americans during the pandemic. 18% of nurses in California are Filipino and one in three are frontline workers. Dr. Robin Rodriguez, the director of the Bulasan Center, says their study went beyond statistics. But we knew that that wasn't going to capture the story and the real you know, the human face of this impact of this pandemic. So that's why we complemented the survey with these uh, focus group sessions or what we called talk story or in Filipino, quintuhan sessions. And they're really, really just heart-wrenching. Rodriguez says the story of one young woman living in a multi-generational household, something not uncommon in Filipino families, has stayed with her. For our family, uh, it's kind of like a wolf is at the door. I mean, that was really just striking to say the wolf is at the door, this sense of danger. Um, and then that, uh, you know, creating all sorts of anxiety and, and depression. Rodriguez and Naval hope studies like these lead to more mental health resources for Filipino Americans who are disproportionately risking their lives for a living. It took its toll, and that's part of the reason why a lot of my, the nurses did suffer some some general anxiety, PTSD. Uh, so the biggest challenge is now is just what are we going to do about it? And that reporting from KPBS's Kitty Alvarado. A Chula Vista man accused of killing his wife was arraigned in court on Thursday. Larry Millete was charged with first-degree murder in the death of Maya Millete. She's been missing for more than nine months. KPBS's Alexander Wynn has more. And at this time, we'd like to enter a plea of not guilty. Larry Millete was stoic in the courtroom Thursday as his attorney entered a not guilty plea on his behalf. Prosecutor alleged he killed his wife, Maya Mayette, on or around January 7th. She was reported missing two days later. Her body has not been found. Larry Mayette faces up to 25 years to life in prison if convicted. 
He remains in custody without bail until his bail review hearing November 4th. And that was KPBS's Alexander Wynn. The far-right group Defend East County burst onto the local scene last spring in response to racial justice protests. KPBS's Amitha Sharma says now the group is trying to be a player in San Diego politics, despite being associated with racist ideology and conspiracy theories. The genesis of Defend East County is this. It launched in the late spring of 2020 after a band of mostly white men pledged to protect La Mesa businesses from Black Lives Matter protesters. And then the group's founder, Justin Haskins, live-streamed from the January 6th insurrection. At one point that day, he called it our constitutional duty to overthrow a tyrannical government. Yes, I was at the Capitol on January 6th. No, I did not take uh, part in it. No, I do not agree with it and I'd rather just move on from that. But the 37-year-old construction manager still doesn't believe President Joe Biden was legitimately elected, and he believes false QAnon theories. I mean, if you're asking me if I believe that there is a group of elitists in Washington, D.C. and in Hollywood that run a pedophile ring, absolutely, I believe that. At least one DEC member has openly discussed violence against black people. Federal prosecutors say San Diegan Gray Zamudio bragged in a text about pulling his Glock on a black person he called the N-word and smashing on some BLM. Zamudio is serving a two-year sentence in federal prison for firearms violations. Local black activist Tasha Williamson says some DEC members have made racially tinged violent threats against her and her son. They put this out on social media and people are calling for my lynching. And then there is this undated video on Twitter of Haskins asking a black passenger what plantation he was on. Haskins claims the comments were taken out of context, but wouldn't elaborate. Despite all this, DEC has proven to be relevant in mainstream San Diego County politics. At one point in 2020, DEC boasted a Facebook following of more than 20,000 members. The platform eventually suspended the group due to violent racist rhetoric on its page. But by then, both Republican Daryl Issa and Democrat Amar Kampanajar had sought DEC's endorsement in the race for the 50th District Congressional seat. Brian Levin is director of the Center for the Study of Hate and extremism at Cal State San Bernardino. These social media platforms like Facebook have enabled people who would just be banging a kettle on a corner somewhere to use the power of symbols, memes, and videos to create fear on anecdotes and identify villains. Haskins insists DEC's main purpose is simply to promote traditional conservative values. We want to protect you know, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion. We want to protect the Second Amendment. We, you know, we want to keep the government out of our homes with the Fourth Amendment. And DEC wants to get like-minded people elected. Every local candidate that we supported won. He says they include Santee Mayor John Minto, Santee Council Members Dustin Trotter and Laura Coval, and Cajon Valley Union School District 
District Trustee Jim Miller. KPBS reached out to them and other GOP leaders such as Paula Witzel, chairwoman of the Republican Party of San Diego County. They either declined comment or didn't return calls. Mesa College political science professor Carl Luna believes their silence is an acknowledgement that DEC's radicalism has gone mainstream within the party. He calls the strategy dangerous. You call out your crazies and you don't bring them into the coalition. As local Republicans avoid addressing DEC, a more militant offshoot of the group has materialized. It's called the Exiled Patriots and led by another local resident, Mike Forzano, who did not respond to interview requests. Haskins says he condemns the Exiled Patriots because of their violent rhetoric. That is literally everything I have tried to avoid and make sure that we never will go down that path. But Luna says January 6th shows DEC is a gateway group to that path. And that was KPBS's Amitha Sharma. Coming up, a Poway man wants his community to call him if they find a rattlesnake on their property. And no, he's not going to kill it. I mean, why, I don't want to kill something that's live. I don't want to take its life just because of what it is. But relocating live rattlesnakes is a bit more complicated than simply moving it. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. A Poway man wants his community to call him if or when they find a rattlesnake on their property. But as KPBS's Maya Trabolsi found out, relocating live rattlesnakes is not quite as simple or legal as some might think. You know, part of the perks I like about being a handyman is that you work in different locations every day. Whether it's painting, drywall, or carpentry, Poway handyman Patrick Brady does it all. But he's also known as someone else. Morning, Mr. Pat. To the residents in his community, he is Trapper Pat. And they've been relying on him to do what most people would not. Sure, not one in there. <laughs> Catch rattlesnakes. Once everybody found out about it, everybody seemed to have the word Trapper Pat on the tip of their tongues all the time. I would go places and they, hey, Trapper Pat. He answers the calls day or night and prides himself on being where he's needed in a matter of minutes, all free of charge. You know, I should tell myself all the time, it's today the day you're going to get bit. And I tell myself, no, I'm not getting bit today. You know, I'm not going to put myself in a position that I'm going to get bitten. Did you want to check for some more? But Brady doesn't believe rattlesnakes should be killed, preferring to relocate them nearby. I don't want to take its life just because of what it is. Stories of his brave endeavors echoed their way up to state government. In a letter, Assembly Member Brian Mainshine thanked him for his work. From the beginning of the year, Brady noticed something interesting. Every snake call resulted in the removal of the northern Pacific rattlesnake. He called the California Department of Fish and Wildlife to share his data. A lieutenant called him back, 
And that, he says, is when everything changed. I said, Mr. Brady, you know, you need to cease and stop what you're doing right now because, uh, you know, you're not qualified to be doing what you're doing. And, you know, there's rules and regulations. You're breaking laws in California. And Fearing legal trouble, Brady stopped posting his stories on Nextdoor and social media. He took down his website and asked the community not to draw attention to him. So there's a lot of things going on that suddenly came to a halt. And I felt bad because I felt like I was letting the public down. So what are the laws when it comes to rattlesnakes? To begin with, it's perfectly legal to kill any rattlesnake found on your property. No license, no permit, no authorization, nothing. Hit him with the, the flat part of the shovel and that's going to do the job. Captain Patrick Foy from the Department of Fish and Wildlife says when it comes to moving snakes in order to let them go. Never really accounted for the, the person who might think, I don't want to kill the rattlesnake, I want to remove it and take it someplace else and let it go. Now, here we are today, now we're having a different conversation. So California Fish and Game stipulates you can take up to two live rattlesnakes per day with no license required. In order to release any captured snakes, you need to have the department's written approval. In most cases, this means applying for a scientific collection permit, not a necessarily swift and easy process. Yeah. If I could have rewritten that, that law, I probably would have tweaked it a little bit to make some, make some changes to accommodate that type of request. Captain Foy says there is something else to consider. I would not call an unlicensed, unbonded, uninsured person to my house to remove a rattlesnake. Because if that person gets bit, you're going to own it. But the options are few and almost always mean destroying the snake. Some pest control companies charge hundreds of dollars to answer rattlesnake calls, unaffordable for many. They do charge high fees, but... They are paying for that insurance. They are paying for that training. We prioritize rattlesnake calls as a priority one for us. Chief Bill Ganley says the San Diego Humane Society answered almost a thousand rattlesnake calls in the past six months. Their team is trained to catch and release nearby. And we respond within half an hour. Considering the volume of rattlesnake calls in the county, he considers Brady to be an ally. People say, yeah, he was right here and he took care of it. And I believe he's uh, an advocate of, you know, humanely handling and, you know, releasing the snake. That's, that's a good thing in our book. Pat Brady's case has sparked internal discussion within the Department of Fish and Wildlife. They told KPBS there could be a path for him to continue, which might include working closely with them to find suitable places for release. How easy that path is still remains to be seen. And that story reported from KPBS's Maya Tripolsi. The Department of Fish and Wildlife also told KPBS that because of this story, it's considering making changes to California code to make it easier for those who wish to relocate rattlesnakes. We're also told that process could take about a year. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.